Welcome to the European Parliamentary Research Service Podcasts. In this podcast, we'll look at the potential gains of more Europe versus the costs of less or non-Europe in energy, one of the 50 policy areas investigated in our latest report about the benefits of more EU action in an age of global challenges, and see how closer EU cooperation in this area could bring substantial economic, social and environmental benefits. Want to know more? Stay with us. The EU aims at becoming the first climate-neutral continent by 2050. The commitment and the rhetoric are certainly there, but the goal is ambitious and money scarce. So, will we succeed? Well, it's clear that recent events, such as Russia's war in Ukraine and the global rise in fossil fuel prices, added an additional layer to the challenges that lie ahead of a successful transformation of EU energy systems. But, notwithstanding those, the Parliament's report concludes that more ambitious budgetary and regulatory EU policy could bring benefits of up to €294 billion Euros per year by 2030. And the benefits can be even higher up to 734 billion euros per year by 2050. As the benefits from social measures would kick in in the longer term and ensure a fair transformation. Another positive effect would be to reduce the EU's fossil fuel dependency, thus increasing consumers' purchasing power. Now, to reach these conclusions, the EPRS report simulated an EU net zero energy transformation. A first result of this ambitious and united EU-level policy is that we decrease the greenhouse gas emissions from the energy, industry, buildings and transport sectors to net zero in 2050, with the remaining emissions expected to be absorbed by land use, land use change and forestry. A credible increase in the EU budget up to 2050 could also bring €33 billion Euros per year of extra GDP in 2030, and double that in 2050 due to climate and energy-related investments, more funds for research and development, and well-targeted cohesion funds. And what's more, the adoption of common and effective regulatory instruments, such as more ambitious energy efficiency rules, boosting renewable energy production, and further reinforcing the EU emission trading scheme, would also spur competitiveness and bring economic benefits of up to 227 billion euros per year in 2030 and 407 billion in 2050, compared to the baseline scenario where we continue business as usual. But we can only successfully transform our energy systems if we at the same time manage to address all the challenges, including the social ones that derive from it. Here's Alexandra Heflich from the European Parliamentary Research Service. Yes, we estimated that in the most ambitious net zero scenario, over 2 million jobs could be created by 2050. But in some sectors, such as fossil fuel extraction, employment will be reduced. We also need to bear in mind that uh, the transformation, if not well designed, uh, could be very challenging. Uh, for example, for those who are not able to afford new clean technologies. For this reason, we need a coherent EU approach in energy policy as well as a fair distribution of benefits from the transformation to make everyone better off. Now, the European Parliament has long been supporting the transformation of our energy systems, calling for more ambitious targets and more EU funding to close the investment gap, help finance the transformation and give extra support to the sectors and regions lagging behind. 
It's at the origin of the Just Transition Fund, and in the context of the energy crisis and Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it has called to make the EU 2030 climate and energy targets more ambitious in order to accelerate the EU's weaning off fossil fuels, improving its energy efficiency, and speeding up and simplifying investment in renewables. In the context of soaring energy prices, the Parliament has also called for solidarity among member states and better coordinated action at EU level. It's also in favour of taxing windfall profits of energy companies to help vulnerable citizens and companies pay their energy bills and to extend the emissions trading scheme to the building and transport sectors and use part of the benefits from this auctioning system to tackle energy and transport poverty. Now, against this background, the Commission proposed several emergency actions, including a plan to cut dependence on Russian fossil fuels, secure reliable and affordable energy for European citizens and businesses, and accelerate the switch to renewable energy. The European Parliament supports these actions, but called on the Commission and EU countries to make sure that measures adopted at EU level to fight energy prices stay compatible with long-term EU climate goals, and help advance the EU's open strategic autonomy goals. But a key question is, are the resources currently available at EU level enough to achieve such an unprecedented transformation and address the associated risks and challenges? Moreover, how are the costs and benefits from this transformation going to be shared within society? Well, according to the Commission's analysis, upfront investment needed to adjust the current climate and energy policies to the new challenges is estimated at €300 billion Euros by 2030, which could be taken from other existing priorities. But without any new common financing and budgetary constraints for many EU countries looming on the horizon, it remains to be seen how these ambitious new targets can be achieved in practice. What's sure is that the EU's energy transformation won't happen overnight. It will be realised by several generations. And while the greatest costs will need to be borne early on in the transformation, the greatest benefits may only become apparent at the end of it. Moreover, the economic benefits of more effective and coordinated EU action in the energy field can only be considered if social, environmental and geopolitical challenges are equally addressed and met with the same level of ambition. In other words, acting on one at the expense of the others will not make our lives better. For example, new dependencies might emerge as the EU research and innovative capacity is not sufficiently developed or as national protectionist measures and vested interests in some areas are not tackled. So this will need to be addressed and rebalanced as soon as possible. Furthermore, as the 2030 horizon approaches, there's an urgent need for a parallel long-term planning beyond the next seven years – and that will require a strong level of ambition and political commitment. But is there another choice? Here's Alexandra Heflich again. If the EU wants to become the first carbon-neutral continent, it needs to take ambitious action, not only internally, but also at international level. It will have to ensure that within the EU, the decarbonisation goes together with the environmental sustainability, equity, and that it is implemented without increasing social um, divides. But exactly the same will have to apply towards the outside world to ensure climate neutrality is actually achieved in a sustainable way at a global scale. 
In conclusion, ambitious and united EU action will be necessary to ensure a successful energy transition that is inclusive, brings economic benefits and ensures EU competitiveness. And that means, for example, taking common action to adequately regulate carbon pricing, securing enough EU funds beyond the current budgetary cycle, and taking social aspects into account to ensure that no one is left behind. Want to know more? Check out the full report on Mapping the Cost of Non-Europe on the EPRS website or in our app. This is a European Parliamentary Research Service podcast. Thanks for listening.